0: The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five promos in MMA with special guest Dan Letty. It was another fun trip down memory lane, ladies and gents, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to. What is up you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you could find at MMA as well as MMA Junkie Radio But On this year' program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, but we're going to do it in a different way today. That's right, back-to-back weeks, ladies and gentlemen. We got top five episodes coming back at you, where we reflect on a topic that we pick at hand, you in as well, but of course, I need a co-host to help me, and that is a returning co-host, Dan Levy, at Best Fight Picks, also, uh, yes, proprietor at www
1: bestfightpicks.com. What's up, Dan? Man, doing amazing. Thanks again for having me. I'm so excited to be on this specific episode because, as you know, I love the promos of, basically, the fact that When that Fox era was going on, they kind of got rid of all the pre-fight promos. You wouldn't hear from the fighters. You wouldn't get to know them. Now in this ESPN era, it seems like the old days where it's not just the main and the co-main event fighters who get to talk. Now we get to learn about all these other young up-and-comers. And and, uh, these guys get to cut promos. They get to get us hyped for the fights. And I'm pumped uh, to talk about my top five list with you. Great point, man. Uh, Yeah, that's been my favorite thing about the ESPN era
0: thus far. And I've I've definitely let them know on Twitter. You know whether it's uh you know giving the walkout some time though I understand I guess they have to trim that at times but like you said even like you know pre-fight packages I've seen them for prelim fighters I mean with only a couple UFC fights but if they had an interesting story uh you know it's always good whether it's ESPN whether it's anybody it's always good to tell it and I'm sure there's gonna be funny ways in which whether the fighters themselves the promotions or maybe even the fans with some fan-made stuff depending on what shows up on our list here. Uh decide to tell those stories, and I guess that's kind of kind of the best way to encapsulate this topic right
1: pretty broad, but that that that, that sounds about right right, Dan oh, hundred percent, man, and you know this is gonna be real off the wall some of the examples I make, I know some of the examples you're gonna do, I know everyone wants to sit uh, everyone wants to hear us sit here and be like, uh I'm not surprised, motherfucker, but uh <laughs> you guys already know that one, so we're gonna give you shit that you might you know, it might bring back memories, you might gotta go back and check it out for the first time. Or maybe you're uh a, a die hard, hardcore fan like Dan and I, and you're like, damn, I'm surprised they uh they remember that.
0: Yeah, and I think regardless of what the pick is, this is definitely gonna be one of those episodes where uh you either the one to have your YouTube uh tab open. Or, you know, a Google tab, because some of these I had to find on, we'll get into, you know, to find on like the Vimeos and the Daily Motions of the world, because a lot of these things, you know, a lot of these things, you know, I'm sure we'll get into, Dan, but uh, stuff I remember, and I'm like, ooh, I want to put this on the list, let's see if, let's go back and watch, right, let's see where it stands, and I couldn't find a lot of it, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that later, but did you find find those kind of hurdles as well?
1: oh man you know i mean some of them i kind of have to go off the top of my head off what i
0: yeah remember
1: yeah. happened what i thought happened but most of them i was able to go back on fight pass i know right now fight pass is taking a bit to load these videos you got to hit enter about five times finally got it to work and uh i got a great list man
0: <laughs> yeah i know what you mean man uh, shouts to eric winter L- long do we miss those days right
1: Man, I know my boy Eric Eric Winter was like, so you guys really don't want to fu- uh, fund this great venture that I'm making great again? He's, he was like, man, these guys don't give a fuck, so I'm going to just move on. But uh, much respect to my boy Eric Winter. You know, one yes. time him and Biz Bing Skype called me uh, just to ask me my feedback on Fight Pass. It was pretty damn cool. I missed those days. That's badass, man. Yeah, and that's not unheard of, by the
0: way. Like He would do stuff like that, ladies and gentlemen. So that's that's super cool. Uh, he di- He did that with you, my man.
1: Dude, it was cool as fuck. Uh, You know, I'm expecting this call from Eric Winter to just give like a little customer survey. And all of a sudden, Bisbing's on the line, too. I was like, okay, And then they sent me a signed glove. I was like, damn, thank you very much, Fight Pass. I miss those days. Fortin around the world. (laughs) (laughs) exactly man Uh, those were the days man so uh but you know what the sport is evolving i love the direction it's headed in this espn era is amazing all they got to do now is this espn plus stuff you got to organize the library man i got to be able to search for these videos not just scroll through you know entire events and you know scroll scroll over to 42 minutes and 37 seconds just so i can find the fight i want Like, like let's organize this shit and once they do that it's gonna take things to the next level again.
0: Totally, man. And again, first world problems, totally. But while I have someone that, that on, on the fellow grind, if you will, uh, you know, on, on the show, yeah, man, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely been a lot, a lot more tabs and a lot more searching as par- as opposed to your normal routine. I'm sure, I'm sure your your routine has had to adjust as well, right?
1: Yeah, but at the end of the day, man, we got this shit down to a science, and there's no complaining here on my end because if I want to watch a fight, I will watch that fight, Dan. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. There's, where there's a will, there is a way. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that up as well just because uh, kind of just a, a brief segue before we get going on to the top five here. Again, I uh, usually do breakdowns on this show, but Dan Levy on his show, Half the Battle, which you can subscribe to on free. They're available on all platforms. We're working on our way that way uh, ourselves. We are just talking about that a bit, peeling back the curtain. I'll actually mention that a bit here. This will be one of the last uh, top fives, by the way, before we officially get going on YouTube. The channel's there, but you know, before we officially launch, but yeah, back to the, uh, back to the guest plug there. Uh, he actually does breakdowns and he actually, he does a good job in them. Uh, especially if you have the gambling mindset, I know I, I've already referenced him and shouted him. He's been on the program before, so it probably shouldn't be a surprise to most of you listening, but in case you haven't, uh, Dan, where can they, where can they find, uh, your work, whether it's your podcast or if they really want to get down and dirty, uh, into the
1: gambling. Well, I appreciate all the kind words, man. As you know, this is your show. I would never go on your show and, and try to sell something. But if anyone's interested in following me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter, BestFightPicks.com and my show Half the Battle, it's available anywhere that you can find podcasts.
0: Cool, man. Awesome. Well, you, 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 Shaq, and, uh, and a shout-out to, to, to Big Kyle, Kyle Marley as well. Uh, do a great job. But uh, all right, back to the top five, man. I'm glad you, you picked this one as well. Obviously, I, I want the guests to have a, have a nice say-so. And uh, you're right, you said it at the top of the show, you're excited to tackle it, and, and so am I. This has been on the uh, the pool, if you will, the pool of topics, uh, for quite some time. So uh, I, I definitely want to jump into this one. We've laid it out, as per usual. Uh, I'll, probably let, I'll let the guest go first. He knows the drill already, though, uh, so he, he can lead us off here. Uh, we'll probably do a Chinese fire drill sometime throughout it. Afterwards, we will get to yours and then clean up with some honorable mentions. So, Dan, I guess, do you mind going first since I'm already kind of pushing you toward the plank?
1: Let's do it, man. So, obviously, in this day and age, when fighters get on the mic and, you know, you ask them, who do you want next? And they start doing this whole thing about oh i'll fight uh whoever the ufc puts in front of me and uh you know you, you never you never remember who said that the very next day it's like oh my god man can you can you get a personality of your own but let me tell you something back in the day there was a man named bj penn who not only won the ufc welterweight title not only won the ufc lightweight title is currently a ufc hall of famer and uh he got on the mic to call out his arch nemesis at the time his name was sean shirk and uh it was pretty simple. It went down something like this Sean Shirk, you're dead. And uh, that's all he had to say. That's how you sell a fight. That's how you get a fight book. UFC 84, they ended up meeting up, and uh, that's all it took, man. Just get on the mic, four words Sean Shirk, you're dead, and uh, we got a classic lightweight title fight.
0: You know what I love about that one? Of all the. Ironically enough, and I say that, and I'll explain why I say ironically uh ironically enough this is um one of the most pro wrestling promos and they didn't even really try to for it like you said all he said was sean shirk you're dead um bj penn though i I, he was a fan of pro wrestling when he was a kid like many adults and fighters are so i guess that's not too much of a surprise he's not like some pro wrestling head like dc if you will or you're having a guy like brock lesnar with actual pro wrestling experience and We saw kind of how volatile the takes were from those, whether people either kind of loved it or hated it, kind of polarizing. And I feel like even people who kind of hate on the pro wrestling shtick uh, appreciated this one, you know. Uh, you had Sean Shirk commentating uh, the match with Joe Stevenson uh, cage side. You knew, And even Sean Shirk was holding himself classy, but you could tell it was bothering him. And there was trash talk online with the uh, steroid accusations. Well, not really accusations. He popped positive at that point. But, you know, there was trash talk. And sure enough, uh, he, he after he says it, my favorite, it, it feels so WWF, Dan. You see Sean Shirk with, like, his oversized large because he has to wear... A a shirt that's super big because he's super short, but his muscles are too big for a medium. <laughs> you know, so he's like, yeah. he's, he's just he's kind of walking with this shirt that he's swimming on. He stalks up into the cage. Uh, it was a great, it was a great moment.
1: Man, it was a great point in time too because you got this guy. His name is the Muscle Shark. He tests positive for steroids, but then he gets on the camera talking about how. Oh, you know, I've taken every polygraph test. And, you know, we're all sitting here laughing with our friends like, dude, your name is the Muscle Shark. We know you're a juice head. But just the fact that, you know, BJ really dug into him about that, that's where the whole, uh, you know, when people ask BJ Penn, what's he on? He's like uh, beer and hot dogs, you know. So it was really one of the first times that someone really called out – uh you know, an unclean fighter. And, and I don't really want to get into that topic, man, right, because, right. you know, especially back then, pre-USADA, you know, tons of our favorite fighters were probably using and this and that. But yeah. the fact that Sean actually failed one of their tests back then, which is like, Sean, if you're failing one of those tests that literally anyone could pass, like – there's something wrong, my man, you know, so uh, that just added more animosity to the fight. And BJ really uh, ran with that. He really wanted to make a statement. And, you know, uh, BJ was talking about how you know, he's weak. The only thing you need is this and this. And, you know, he pointed to his mind and to his heart. And it's like, bro, like uh, that fight got me so pumped. Then he went out there, had that performance, clean jab, knocked him out with the flying knee to uh, to punches in that third round. And uh, I will never forget the promo. Sean Shirk, you're dead.
0: Yeah. And it set up and it set up uh, one of the one, of, you know, one of the biggest fights in uh a- lightweight history where you had you know guys like the Rock going backstage to meet BJ Penn you know Jason Statham uh, showing up and uh yeah you're right man it's it's you don't want to get too much into the weeds because at the end of the day all our favorite fighters were either using drugs or or ended up being bad ended up being bad guys but it was a uh, it definitely was a, a a different era right because even like Sean Shirk, um the testing positive like you said in that era and then look a step further what, what was his defense he used the taton sub- supplement defense look at what the Tatum it was island supplements, whatever. Look at how far that got him there. It just made him look worse. Whereas, like, fast forward to you know, to timestamp this episode, the year 2019, Yoel Romero just got paid for a Tatum supplement case.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And I mean, let's just put it this way. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. We're, don't expect to see Sean Shirk in the UFC Hall of Fame anytime soon. And just to take it a step further on a side note about what about how great of a self-promoter BJ Penn is. So, you know, he does the Sean Shirk, you're dead, all that. And then, you know, the interviewer wants to ask him a couple more questions. And BJ's like, for any more info, go to BJPenn.com. And then he walks off.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who was doing that at that time. I don't know where, you know, RondaRousey.com uh, or The MacLife uh, got their ideas <laughs> from, but uh, that's crazy. But yeah, no, you're right. That's another great point, you know, as, as far as promo. And again, that's the, we're, you know, we're not waxing out of relevancy here. That's, a, that's the topic we're talking about. And uh, yeah, if anybody was promotional, it was that man. And that is one of, if not the best example to point to, Dan.
1: I got to agree, man. I mean, to this day, I remember it. And it's funny I say uh, to this day because there's another promo later on that we're going to get into where someone in another combat sport says to this day and it became a, a worldwide uh, phenomenon. But we'll get to that soon, my man.
0: All right. My number five. And again, I don't want to I don't want to tip my list too much here, but uh. Th- th- it was up until like the eleventh hour. It was a uh, it was a fan made. It was a fan made highlight, and that's not too much of a tip because that that could be a bunch, and we'll definitely get to it on the honorable mentions. If it doesn't come up on your list, I guess that is. But uh, I felt bad knocking it off because not to not to tip my hand too much or spoil the rest of my list. But um, what I replaced it with was a piece of uh, MMA promotion. And, um, and then I, not only did I do that, I, I stuck back and looked at my list and, and I was looking at MMA promotion in general. And again, I don't want to get too far on this cause it's stating the obvious and, and, and it may spoil things, but, uh, it, my list may not exactly go in chronological order, but one thing I noticed about the promotionals promos, Dan, is that they definitely just get better with time. Uh, I have some older ones on here that I'm going to get to here uh, in a second, but did, did you notice that too? It just, it just things just tend to get better with time. There's really no no way around it with this topic, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. The production value and everything like that, but it, it's just funny. Uh, some of the characters that we used to have and how freely they used to talk we, that's what was so great about it going back and watching the old ones, but no yes. doubt about it nowadays, just. You know, they have the format down. There's a rhythm. There's a pattern to it. So, yeah, I I agree with you, my man. This
0: one always sticks in my head, though. And uh, I reference it all the time. I may have referenced it just on a couple podcasts ago when I was um, talking about Dan Henderson, one of my favorite fighters who took part in one of my favorite fights of all time, uh, which happened on one of my favorite cards of all time, which was Pride 33. And that was the va- the rematch with Vanderlei Silva, who was, uh, the sixth year at the time reigning middleweight champion. And I know there were some, uh, s- some, some fights in there, uh, th- th- that were, you know, uh, w- whether it was the heavyweight Grand Prix or non-title fight decision, uh, losses. I'm not going to get into the technics because when I was a fan back then, I didn't know the technics when this fight was going down. I just knew that Vanderlei Silva, I just saw the highlight reels. Uh, I knew that he was the reigning middleweight champ for six years and, uh, Pride uh, would do a lot of production, like like a lot of the Japanese promotions do, which is great. And they didn't really do, like, trailers ahead of time or anything like that, um, like maybe the UFC does, right? Or TV spots, because obviously they didn't really have network deals. So a lot of their promotion, and even in, like, promotions like now, like with Risen, they're woven into the fighter entrance. They're woven into the promotion, uh, to the show themselves. And uh, I-, I love it because it shows, you know, just very scary, like almost, like, shark-like music, like, like, like uh, just, you know, really heavy tones and heavy basses for Vanderlei Silva, just showing him demolishing people, and, like, six years undefeated, and, you know, all these, like, crazy, you know, building him up, and then uh, the one that I always reference, and then out of nowhere, as, as the music's kind of crescendoing and building up, you just hear, uh, it's, I think it's Lemmy Hart going, hey, you guys, you hear the drum, the drum, the kick drum, doom, doom, doom. And you just see Dan Henderson on his ranch, pulling back his bow and arrow, riding a horse. And you just hear the ideal American, <laughs> and like as the music starts coming in. He's got he got his kids, They're like Dan Henderson, and then like they're just showing his highlights, and it's just so it's so fucking Japanese, it's so fucking of the era, and it it it, and it just it just got me pumped. And uh, and then the end of uh, Henderson, the back half of the highlight, which is Henderson, at the end of it, it closes out with a picture of Vanderlay Silva on like a horse target and uh all of a sudden the arrow hits it and the camera you know uh backs out and you see Dan Henderson with his bow and then he turns to the camera and just winks as he's as he's casually laughing and uh went on to 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 knock knock Vanderlei Silva out and it was one of the craziest fights uh, I think ended up on top 5 uh hook KOs episode as well
1: man what was so cool about those pride videos is it's it wasn't just a pre fight promo it was almost like a movie trailer and they really built up the characters because nowadays when you talk about uh, Vanderlei, the axe murderer, Silva, you know, oh, the axe murderer, that's cute, this and that, but back then, there was nothing cute about it, man. Back then, like, I thought the dude would legitimate would legitimately come out of the TV and kill me. You know what I'm saying? Like he was scary. He was a monster. He was someone that you would not fuck around with a guy like Vanderlee Silva back then. And then uh with Dan Hendo, they you know, they build him up as the all American. And I feel like they still do stuff like that to this day, man. I mean, this is a much, much lower example, but you go and you look at Ryzen, you see a guy like Darren Crookshank who listen the only reason I'm making this example, I know people are gonna be like, Are you comparing Dan Hendo to Derek <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I am not what i'm what I am doing is I mean look crookshank comes out there with uh you know the American flag underwear he 's got the mustache they 're really they 're really selling you on the fact that this is you know the the good all American you know and uh man, I just feel like back in pride the way they would hype you up the way they would build those promos and just really get you invested in the characters I mean you had the axe murderer the scariest dude ever don 't ever let this guy get you in that tie clinch. Uh, my boy Rampage Jackson went through the ropes, you know and I'm saying? He got knocked out a, a prior time as well. And then Dan Hendo, the H-bomb. Uh, and at the time, he was actually known as Decision Dan, which is really interesting. But, man, he, he was the good old American. And, yeah, I love that trailer.
0: That's awesome, man. Although I don't know why you had to bring up Darren Crookshank, because now I have his Now I have have a really bad joke stuck in my head. Darren Crookshank is like one of those. Is one of those names where like guy or girl. He's one of those names where like if he wanted to do porn, he wouldn't have to change his name at all. Like it's already,
1: fucking there. <laughs> just like uh, just like uh, Dakota Cochran. Oh, yeah. wait. oh wait, <laughs> he did do porn.
0: The more you know. This is a this is a learning show. Uh, by the way, and, 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 and I'm not trying to say that mean spirited. In fact, uh. My, my long-time uh, barber, who, who is a gay man, I, I, I was telling him, hey, I, I bet you I can come up with a better better gay porn name than you. He's like, no way. And, my name was like, and he doesn't follow MMA at all, right? So I'm like, Darren Crookshank. And he was like, holy shit, that's really good. And I was,
1: and was like, wait a second. <laughs> on second thought, I, you know I mean? Oh, like, no,
0: yeah, it. no. Jeez, thank God he didn't have that. He didn't pull, a, pull out any videos for me to see. I don't need to see <laughs> any. Don't send me the war machines of the world, folks. Don't send me any of that. I'm good. I, I'm living a happy life. I'm dark enough, as you all know, so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> but no, no, the, yeah, you're, no, you're totally right, though, on, that, on the, the Japanese production notes and building the characters, though, man. That, that, that's absolutely important. They, they do do a good job with uh, Darren Crookshake. That was a good example
1: man i uh, i just love how they kind of keep that tradition over there you know what i mean and not not only in the promos not only in the build-up and the characters but even even in the rule set you can still soccer kick down the opponents and uh it's just a different world over there dan
0: it is my friend it is all right number four we're on now uh go go on ahead sir
1: it's, it's your turn at, it's your turn at the helm so the last one I did with, you know, BJ Penn calling out Sean Shirk, that was a post fight interview. You know, he got yeah. on the mic and basically set his next. He set, set up his next fight with four words. Now, this one actually happened when the fight was already booked and this happened in the pre fight promo video and it was a fight at UFC 113. Between Josh Koshek and Paul Daly, May 8th, 2010. And uh in the pre-5 video, I mean, before I get into the quote, everyone knows stylistically speaking, Paul Daly, he's a knockout artist. Josh Koshek, he's a wrestler. So going into that fight, you're thinking to yourself, well, either Paul Daly's gonna knock him out, or Josh Koshek is gonna grind him out. You know what I mean? It, it was that simple. But in the pre five promo, Josh Koscheck, uh, he cut his own promo, and I will I will always remember this. I will never oh, forget the yes. day go, go, that yeah. he was like, uh, he's like, I'm gonna stand in bang with Paul Daly. He's like, I'm gonna go toe-to-toe with Paul Daly. I am that cocky. I am that arrogant. So, to this day, I just cannot forget about someone being like, I'm gonna go, Paul. <laughs> I'm gonna go toe to toe with Paul Daly, You know what I mean? Because standing and banging with Paul Daly at the time was like a death sentence. You know what I mean? The guy had an over eighty to ninety percent KO rate. It was like it was like he touches you one time and you go out cold. So Josh Kasich, uh you know, being funny and a little arrogant on the on the pre-fight promo, saying, uh, "I'm gonna stand and bang with Paul Daly man that for me that sold the fight for me right then and there and then uh the fight starts and he lays on him for three rounds don't be surprised if i come out stand toe-to-toe and knock this guy
0: out that is hilarious man yeah no i, I remember that totally it was coming back to me as you said it and i'm yeah i'm glad I, I'm, I'm glad you, you you picked that one too especially something like a uh, uh, leading in and I, yeah I, m- I remember that being said and also by the way that fight had produced another one of a. Uh, uh, a top five uh, here uh, on this podcast is, is uh, after the fight he cuts the line on on, uh, uh, on, on the crowd and because they're, they're booing and he's just like oh, I believe it's this fight right where he's like go ahead boo all you want because uh, after Pittsburgh beats. Uh you know, and, uh, God, James Lynch is going to kill me because he was on this episode with me, and he he was able to correct me on the hockey references. But uh, he's like, I guess after Pittsburgh beats the Canada team, I'm going to be I'm going to be your hero too because didn't this fight go down in Canada like uh, lower on the like like as a co main or something like that? And yeah, I I, I just remember Josh Koscheck just throwing the black hat on after this fight.
1: Man, and it's like I'm not even like a Josh Koscheck fan, and, and you know. I, I don't really get emotionally invested and shit like that. The only reason I wasn't a big Koshek fan was because, you know, he uh, he pulled that bullshit in the in the daily fight when I was looking forward to a back and forth, you know, exciting fight. And then in the Rumble fight where he faked that, that illegal strike and started milking. <laughs> that that, yeah. that, that kind of made me not like Josh Koshek. But I will always respect Josh Koshek for saying that. Uh, I'm gonna stand in bang with Paul Daly. <laughs> you know what I'd be like? He sold everyone on that fight so much and then he went in there and laid on him for three rounds. Uh it was pretty glorious.
0: My favorite thing about that rumble fight, by the way, because like, you didn't get that good, good a slow-mo. Again, technology, right? This is over 10 years ago. But remember, they caught such a perfect angle when they went to look back at it. And I think this is one of the, the legitimate eye pokes, but I think Kostrick, like grabbed the wrong eye when he went to fake it. But like, you see it coming, and you just see Josh Koshek's eyes
1: light up like, oh, shit. Like, it was just like the perfect angle. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it, it was something. Uh, the dude, uh, I'm surprised he never uh, tried out his luck in acting. Yeah, I, I
0: will say, uh, before 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 those things happened, uh, I, I, yeah, I never was a hater at Josh Koschek, but I actually really was like looking forward to his fights. I think right when it was, was it 74 with the Jackson versus uh, Griffin card where he had that bloody fight with Chris Lytle? And it was around then when he was just like, I'm just going to fucking kickbox. Like, uh, I, 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 I was really appreciative of that era. I felt like he was just getting in there and banging a lot.
1: Man, when he knocked out the Japanese guy. When, oh, what Yoshida. Was yeah, Yoshi, yeah, Yoshida. Yeah, Yoshida. Yeah.
0: Jesus. Yeah.
1: When he knocked out Yoshida with that right hand, that's when he started to kind of fall in love with his power and was like, "Man, I'm not just a wrestler with a blast double. Now I'm a wrestler with an overhand." You know?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, that's oh, no, that's a good number. See, look at that. that, that how many memories did that fr- that freaking number four spark off? I, I'm glad. Uh, I, I'm liking your list so far, especially with kind of how I foreshadowed my list. This is uh, the, 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 we're getting some nice coverage here, sir. Um, mine's probably. Not too far off from that, uh, maybe a couple years before, um, and, and I will say a year after uh, my last selection. My last selection, of course, was in Pride. This one, not in UFC either, but this is the one I think of when we first thought of this list, Dan. This probably, if this was like any time, like 2010 or before, this would probably be number one, hands down. It's still and it's still a lot of the things I would go back didn't hold up as well. I would argue, you know, it it does have a ceiling, but it does hold up. And that was the destiny promo uh, for Uriah Faber versus Jens Pulver, the WEC. You remember this one, Dan?
1: I do. And that was a that was a hell of a rivalry back then as well.
0: It was, it was. Jens Poe, for sure, they were kind of inflating it, but they were, like, undefeated at featherweight, and at least as far as the WEC goes, I believe he just kind of had that quick guillotine against Cub Swanson, and uh, don't get me wrong, he deserved it, the name value alone, he deserved the respect, he deserved the promo, but it's just kind of funny how they have to build things up. I think, what was that... What was the what was the one that uh, sometimes they'll get caught speeding on it? Like I think they did the Gaethje Vic one where there were like eighteen knockouts between them, but most of them were Gaethje and You're like, come on, man! And I, I think even Vic was like, come on, man! What, what the hell is this? Uh, or like the gust you know, like, it's all about the height. Like if, whenever it's two tall guys. Uh, they'll always kind of take that angle, but no, no, uh, no. But uh, but but b- back to this promo. This was this was well done and it, and it aged it aged well. Um, and uh, like I said, Pulver definitely deserved it, and he overperformed. I would argue. Uh, you know, it was, it was it was it was not all these fights live up to the promos, which which maybe maybe we'll get to later, but. This one uh, definitely did, but, but neither here nor there is the fight. The promo's great. It starts off with, again, it's a it's a front half, back half, kind of like the Vanderlei Hendo one that I had for my number five. And it's just like, they're like, speed, tenacity, technique. And like, they're just showing like him hitting the pads and doing like things fast. But then my favorite part of the promo, when it goes, it, it, all of a sudden it cuts to like, Jen's pulver out in the snow. And I, I believe he says, uh, Fight like a legend, not like a guy who just started and uh just all of his like with his grit and his fucking beard my name is mud look like he just had that you know like and and then it's just just like grit hard determined and like it's showing his he's doing the tire flip like it's you know it's it's very of the era mma he's doing the hammer on the tire and the next one uh he's doing the tennis ball pull-ups which actually i thought were badass i'm like oh for good grip and uh and uh and 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 uh it does the uh which I know you're a fan of, Dan. with The drums—they they incorporate the uh, the drum marching build, like the and then it, and the uh, it builds up, and then it has your eye favor. And, and what would become abused, but I always credit this as far as MMA to the first.
1: Don't blink, man. It, it's a good one because at the time when you talk about rivalries, especially in the lower weight classes. I mean, you can't have a list without talking about Uriah Faber and Jens Pulver because I know now, you know, if you just started watching the sport around the Conor and Diaz era and this and that, you might not really respect what we're talking about. But, man, at the time, these were the two guys. I mean, Jens Pulver beat BJ Penn the yeah. first time. You know what I mean? Uriah Faber, uh, I mean, basically beat everyone except uh, Tyson Griffin at the time. And, and the Tyson Griffin fight was pre-UFC, so no one even knew about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and just to fast forward to this day and age, you know Uriah Faber versus Jens Pulver three is going down, except the roles are reversed, and now it's Uriah Faber versus Ricky Simone, and Ricky Simone gets to be Uriah Faber, and now Uriah Faber gets to be Jens Pulver. Uh, yep. The fight game.
0: That is a great analogy, man. Oh, that is that is really great, and yeah, man. I hope not because one thing that you know, I, I went back to watch some things, and uh, no, it was it was actually. Uh, I I, did, I I watched the Driven trailer and I was long overdue. I know it's been out forever, but I went back to watch it and and I, you just relive those moments. So if you were a fan of the time and Jens Pulver's last couple of fights, where he there was so much build up to it, and then you just see this this guy has been through so much shit and he's got everybody's respect and no 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 shade to him, but he's just bawling his eyes out in every in every fucking interview. And it, it, it got hard to watch, you know. And uh, this was uh, you know so I hope. I guess Faber doesn't go down that route. And, and, and back to this point in time when they first fought, um, if you really look at it, this is this. Not only did Pulver overperform, but I think the poetry there, Dan. Even though he overperformed and lost in a decision with a with an eye swole like an alien, but that I think he gave his all in that fight. You really look at his record. I don't think he won after that. And if he did, he just he just never looked the same. He tried some things, took some time off, went down some weight classes, came back up. And I love Jens, I always will, so it's no shame at all. He's got nothing to hang his head about. But uh it just kind of really puts a little more poetry on that on that on that point of time, because you're right. And what I love in that highlight is not only did they include like the BJ Penn win, uh, but they include like footage of him like, you know, hitting Sakurai and all these guys in Japan and like I'm like, oh shit, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, both those guys, total legends. Uh you know, it's a shame for Jens that, you know, he wasn't able to cash out like guys these days are because back when he was in the sport you know the money just wasn't there but at the same time if it wasn't for guys like him there's a chance uh me and you wouldn't even be sitting here today talking about this so we got to tip our caps to guys like jens pulver and your eye of favor
0: fuck yeah man especially those guys of the lighter weight classes um yeah man awesome awesome uh let, let, let's keep things uh let's keep things rolling uh, do you are you doing number three uh, are you ready to go with that or do you, or, or should I should I uh, should we do a Chinese fire drill now?
1: Oh, I got you, bro. I'm I'm always ready. And man, all right. Go 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 on. Locked and loaded, sir. We were talking about some great rivalries in the sport, right? And obviously, whenever there's a big rivalry, you got to get the promo, right? And at UFC 71, there was a light heavyweight championship fight between Chuck Liddell and Quentin "Rampage" Jackson. And you know, a lot of people that hadn't watched Pride maybe didn't know that this was actually a rematch because <laughs> Rampage actually went out there and beat Chuck Liddell in Pride. But fast forward a couple years, and Chuck Liddell, to many people, was the greatest light heavyweight of all time. I mean, at this time, before the Rampage fight, he's on a seven fight win streak, and all seven of those fights, Dan. Were ended by knockout, so he's on a seven fight knockout streak, right? And four of those fights are all title defenses for the UFC light heavyweight title. So when you when you're talking about a guy like Chuck Liddell at that point, you know it was like uh, when he'd walk out, you know, my boy Mike Goldberg would be like, uh, "He's got that look in his eye again, Joe." You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was always something about Chuck Liddell. So fast forward to UFC 71, and now he's got a new challenger. Now he's fighting this guy named Rampage Jackson, and I feel like at the time, a lot of people were super dismissive of Rampage Jackson because they kind of felt like, you know, these guys coming over from pride that, you know, maybe they can go uh, win in Japan where, uh, quote unquote, the competition is easier. I'm going to get to that quote really soon in one of my other ones. But, you know, you know exactly what I'm referring to, Mm -hmm. my man. But uh, a lot of people felt like, you know, going over and fighting in Japan, you know, it's a it's this big joke and now you're coming to the States. It's never going to work and this and that. So when when Quentin Rampage Jackson got matched up with Chuck Liddell, everyone was already writing off Quentin Rampage Jackson. So here in the in the pre-fight video, this is my number three. Chuck, uh, My boy Rampage, his words are this. I'm going to whoop Chuck's ass. He said it so matter-of-factly that everyone that was watching it was kind of like, Oh shit, like this guy really believes what he's saying, but man, it, it's the Iceman. There's no way he can just go out there and beat Chuck. I mean, it's the Iceman. He's got that look in his eye. He's on a seven-fight win streak, you know, four title defenses, all knockouts, and, and my boy Quentin is just like, I'm gonna whoop his ass. And uh I just remember seeing that promo in commercials of him just saying those those four words. Just like BJ Penn said those four words, Sean Shirk, you're dead. Rampage said the four words. I'm going to whoop Chuck's ass, and man, it just stuck with me. It just resonated with me to where I have to see what's going to happen when Chuck Liddell and Rampage fight because everyone kind of already assumed that, hey, Chuck's just going to go out there, knock him out real quick, no big deal, move on, go uh, beat Tito for a third time. You know what I'm saying? Just shit like that, and uh, that's not what happened. Quentin uh, stood by his word. He went out there. He knocked out Chuck Liddell one minute and 53 seconds into the very first round. A beautiful hook, and uh, he did whoop Chuck's ass.
0: I love that you have this one. I got it on my honorable mentions because I actually thought about this one when uh, I came up with my number five. Because what I didn't say about the the first half of the Silva promo is uh, kind of like you were talking about how you know not just obviously UFC is going to be UFC heavy on their promotion. They should. They're the UFC, but especially back then when there was more kind of palpable competition uh and and and, uh, and whatnot. Obviously the Pride merger, you know, uh was already in the process of happening by this point. But as far as, you know, competition elsewhere, uh strike force and whatnot, and uh it was very UFC heavy. And what I loved about the the Silva side of the Pride promo was that and it, what it actually made me think of this promo and fight was because uh you know uh they're actually showing the Vanderlei a lot of the Vander a lot of the rampage I should say knockout of Chuck Liddell. Uh, as a jab at the UFC to build and also to build Vanderlei up, and it, it, and and because uh, Vanderlei's highlight, even though he was fighting Henderson, like they were using it as a his spot as a, a, a as a jabbing tool to the UFC. Because even though he's fighting Henderson, it ends with Vanderlei going, Chuck, we see how you do, you come, I stay here now, I fine, and like he's pointing to the ring, like you can come here, you know, pretty much. And uh, <laughs> so, I also thought it was kind of funny, and like, I. And I remember watching it at this time, but I, I wasn't, like, as much into the politics. Like, I remember watching, you know, uh, being excited for Rampage to come over because all my friends were pride heads, even though they ordered the UFC pay-per-views. So they already showed me all the older Rampage fights. And, uh, and yeah, man, um, when he came in, it's funny because you're just like, this one already happened. I don't think the fans know. And I think the UFC wish, you know, wish it never happened. And they're hoping that it kind of just writes itself here, that, that that their guy gets the win because it's in the octagon. And, yeah, man, like you said with the hook, it, it, it didn't go that way.
1: Man, it absolutely did not go that way. But, dude, since you brought up Chuck Liddell and Vanderlei Silva, so, I mean, we can't leave this show, Dan, without uh, bringing up, uh, I want to fuck Chuck. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's the best. I want to fuck Chuck man. He's like, I want to fuck uh, fight Chuck, you know what I mean? (laughs) Shit was hilarious.
0: Did George St. Pierre ever have one of those slip-ups, or is that just me in my head conjuring that? I want to fuck Matzetta, I want to fight Matzetta. I could totally see George doing it, though, too, right? Like, with his accent and him being French-Canadian and all. Like, I I could totally see that slip-up.
1: He definitely cut a great promo of his own. Uh, I'm not going to ruin it if you have it on your list, but I know you know what I'm talking about.
0: Uh, no, uh, it's not on my list, but, uh, so if it's not on your list, you want to do it oh it's right now yeah. uh,
1: that, so he had this rivalry with Matt Hughes. They fought three times. First time Matt Hughes submitted him in the first round. Second time George goes out there, knocks him out. And, uh, George gets on the mic after one of Matt Hughes wins. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, Matt, I am not impressed with your performance. And I look forward to facing you very soon. And he just shakes his hand so casually and walks off. And like it it was like an oh shit moment because George St. Pierre was one of these guys that, you know, he's classy. He's, you know, very respectful. So he casually owned Matt Hughes, you know, no profanity needed. He just said, Matt. I'm not impressed with your performance, <laughs> and I look forward to facing you soon. He just shakes his hand and walks off, and that's all that needed to be said. It was basically a mic drop moment, but then Matt Hughes gets on the mic, and he's like, well, that's his opinion, and, you know, everyone, everyone, <laughs> already, every, everyone already stopped listening at that point. But, man, uh, George St. Pierre definitely stole the show and cut an easy promo for their next fight. Yep,
0: yeah, no, that was a great one, man, G- great one. The closest you'll ever get to hearing that guy talk shit slash promo himself.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And that, that's not one of my numbers. I just brought it up since you mentioned it No,
0: that. no, no. It doesn't, doesn't step on anything. Um, My number three is another ch- UFC champion. Uh, champions, I guess you could say, with 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 this fight. And uh, one of them, you know, is a definitely uh, a legend in her division. But, hey, you know what? Even... As I tip the gender there, even if you don't like these fighters, even if you're even if WMMa, women's MMA isn't your thing, you can't deny a few things, which are, UFC 193 was a very important moment for history. It was a brutal knockout, and it was also one of the best promos any promotion, fight promotion, have done. But definitely, the UFC. Uh, does this, does this one make your list by chance, Dan, or?
1: No, I didn't make my list, but obviously it was a huge moment—not just the, you know, the magnitude of the fight itself, but even the arena down there in Australia. I mm-hmm. mean, I think it was one of the biggest shows they've ever done till this day. So, I mean, fuck yeah, I'll always remember watching glad,
0: that. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the arena because even the details in this, you know, they're, they're, they they show the arena. Uh, they're building up to the fight, and not everything, you know, uh, not not always does the fight build up to to it we don't get that lucky every time and again regardless of what you think of e- 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 uh, f- female mma or these fighters that it, that fight was epic man and it was epic as this promo which had no words it just had a song playing which i'll probably lay in the background which was experience by ludovico Ionaldi, which i probably mispronounced i apologize but uh it's just this instrumental kind of like you know violin There's a lot of emotion in it and I don't know what it is, man. Maybe I'm getting older, and I definitely have a sensitive side to me, but I'm not, like, you hear these guys like Rogan, like, and, and not just hear him on his podcast. You can just see it watching the the fights. He gets teary-eyed whenever he, like, whenever it's a female, like, uh, title post-fight. If you notice, Rogan's always getting teary-eyed. And God damn it, did I get, like, te- do I get, te- I got teary-eyed again re-watching this one. Then I'll admit it, man. And uh, something about you know showing each young girl's kind of journey and it's going with the music and some of the stuff yes it's a bit heavy handed like the guys like the guys that are walking by scoffing while Holly Holmes like mitting well, up <laughs> girls can't box like okay there's there's some there's some heavy handed shit in there for sure but like it's really beautifully done and uh, comes together quite nicely and it just really like you could have played that promo to like grandmas who are against violence and they would have been like I want to see these girls do their thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a very historical moment for the sport because what Ronda Rousey was doing at the time, you know, not only had there never been women inside the UFC's octagon, but the dominance she was showing. She was finishing every single fight in the first round and most of them were via the same method via that arm bar. So it would almost seem like she was this, this phenom, this you know, but people were saying stuff like, "Oh, she could beat the men's bantamweights," which now is like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in your life. Now you're like, "Dude, don't ever say something like that to me ever again." But people were serious when they were saying shit like, "She could beat Floyd Mayweather. She could do this." So. Man, so leading up to this fight, I mean, she even bought her own her own hype, man. Everyone thought she was this mythical creature. But, yeah, back to you, the promo you're talking about. Man, it really did sell the fight well. I mean, there's a reason that fight sold as much as it did, not just pay-per-view-wise, but, again, back to the arena. If you go look very closely at what's going on, the arena is so packed that they had to bring out a bunch of white plastic chairs to fit everyone in, damn.
0: That was insane. I remember those overhead shots. I'm like, are those long chairs? yeah exactly oh man Uh, you know what on uh, yeah on that beat let's take a break and when we come back we're gonna knock out the rest of ours and your top five promos in MMA right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast Cucarachas enojadas Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast For the top 5 promos in MMA With special guest host Dan Levy Who, uh, I'm actually gonna stay at the steering wheel here In our little impromptu Chinese fire drill I believe we are on number 2 Uh, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and roll my number 2 Now I said, almost in order, you know, in my list as far as chronological Uh, this was what, 2015 was the Rousey home we just left off at um, so this one's probably like three or four years earlier, and this comes on a show known as UFC Primetime, which I know is many of our favorites. Um, there may be crossover here, so I guess I'll just, I'll just wait into which primetime I'm talking about here, Dan, but it, it is Primetime Diaz versus Condit. Did, did, did that happen to be on your list at all?
1: uh Diaz vs Condit was not on my list but man I do remember how much we were all looking forward to that fight thinking it was going to be this war and uh Carlos Condit came out with back then remember the the Greg Jackson game plan as if uh you know as if Greg Jackson was the first man to ever invent a game plan right because you know what I'm talking about like yes oh back, yeah. in the, back in the day it wasn't just oh he trains under Greg Jackson it was like He's coming out here with the Greg Jackson game plan like Greg Jackson is some mad scientist in the lab with the fucking white coat on and the goggles and the glasses. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got the test tubes and he's going to come out with this with this masterful game plan. And uh, shit, Carlos did come out with a game plan. And he won the fight.
0: Yeah, man. Now that I think about it, hell, even guys like for, for us, a hobby, you know, uh, other like uh, you know methodical coaches, whether you like him or not. Weren't really getting credit for that. It would be GSP. You're right. The only coach they really referenced that around this time was was uh, Greg Jackson. But, yes, this was a fight, uh, obviously, I was kind of referencing earlier as far as some of these great promos. The fights don't match up, right? And and this was definitely one of them, man. I'm not going to argue that, although, you know, Diaz, one, two, five. That's
1: right. You already know, baby.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, that aside, though, he—, he I really like this. Now, you could argue there were better prime times, which I don't want to step on in case... uh, We'll definitely touch on them in honorable mention, but in case they end up on your list. But there are other prime times that could be better or more important, I guess, as a whole. This fight wasn't the first. This fight definitely wasn't the best. But they really hired really good directors. And I I, I didn't track down this director's name. And even worse, we may have had him on, on our show, Junkie Radio. Either that or I was just... I'm referencing another it 's bad i, I watch watched so many interviews and i 'm a part of so many inter- interviews. I forget of w- w- you know who 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 did what interview with who, even if that person is me uh, Shmi, it 's me and uh, the director of this had a little funny story because you know uh, there was always trouble like uh you know there there was trouble with the first one with one of their fighters uh and there was you know with one of their weed smoking fighters and there's trouble with uh, this one with one of their uh, weed smoking fighters and tracking him down and getting get, getting him on, on on the old good old camera and of course that was Nick Diaz and I'm not not hating on the on on the greenage use or, or Diaz uh, obviously here but uh, yeah, they, they had trouble, though, uh, kind of tracking him down. And that wasn't a secret, per se. But, you know, in the interview, he was speaking of how hard it was. But sometimes these adverse conditions create the best results. And just on a whim, they couldn't get any training footage of him. He flaked, like, for the umpteenth time. They're, they're doing nothing in Stockton, you know, being flaked on, the camera crew and the director. So they actually tracked down his uh, old, uh, his old school. Uh, and this is an episode one, and the end of episode one just ends epically, and it starts off by by talking to his teacher Sharon Tut um and uh you know what I'm just gonna cut i'm just gonna cut to that right now
1: since all of this, I looked on YouTube and i've seen some videos of him because I haven't seen him since he was a kid. He's the exact same he doesn't make eye contact, he talks very slow and deliberate takes a breath between words. I mean, when I saw him on that video, he was the exact same kid. I had a hard time. I moved around schools a little bit. One school has got one type of people, and then another school has got another type of people. So I got to learn a lot about people, I think, on account of that. I don't know how much I learned in school, but I did get to learn a lot about different types of people. Going to a school where... It's not so hard. I really stood out as, like,
0: a hardcore guy, when I'm not so hardcore in a hardcore school. So it was just no fitting in anywhere. And there it is. Please go to the YouTube channel, Official UFC for their prime time. It was just really, really uh, did it justice to me trying to explain it. But I remember first hearing that, Dan, and just getting goosebumps and chills because I wasn't like some Diaz mark out of the box. In fact, like... Maybe, again, I reference my friends kind of being Pride heads, and they kind of influenced who I liked. And not that they disliked um, Nick Diaz. Again, Nick Diaz just put on that amazing performance at, at that car at Pride 33 against Gomi that I just referenced. But, like, they were like, okay, these guys are the Diaz brothers. They pretty much just flick everybody off, and they're big dicks, but they like, they're like they good at jiu-jitsu, and they'll slap people. Like, that was my first introduction, right? Like, it was like this is like Nick Diaz, like Sean Shirk era. Nick Diaz, again, Gomi pride, you know, like... Like, they're badasses, but they're kind of dicks. Like, and that was kind of the perception that just my my, my friends happen to have. And I guess a lot of people kind of have and, and maybe have never shaked. And eventually I kind of started getting it kind of laughing, you know, hearing things like, you know, Clay Guida do interviews and go, yeah, I don't know. I was fighting Nate Diaz and he kept saying 209. and I look at the clock and I'm like, there's three minutes left. What is this guy talking about? <laughs> and like, and so I, 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 I started to appreciate them for the character caricatures that uh, they are, almost like a caricature as a thug. Like, if I was like, hey, Dan, make fun of a thug guy, you'd probably put your arms up and do that Diaz flex, and be like, what, what? I'm like, But they do it, and they're serious. And there's something endearing about that, but it never really got to that deeper of a level. And the reason why that scene that I just played resonated so much with me um, is because in no way do I... Uh, I don't know Nick. I don't assume that we're anything alike, but you do see certain things which is the reason why we like movies, TV shows, fighters, etc. And they are relatable to a lot of people at a baseline. And that's... What I kind of got from that, sure, I may have had my own fire hydrant and fire kind of station story as well that I got in trouble at school for, which also made him a more endearing character to me. Because I was already a Carlos Condit fan from the WEC. I was probably more of a Carlos Condit fan going into this fight, actually, if anything. But it was this, it was, it was that promo that kind of just made me understand Nick a little more. I'm like, oh, I get it. And he's talking about, you know, Justin cello, <laughs> get the camera out of my face and all that. And like, he's, you know... Um, and 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 you kind of get that like oh you start to understand him more you're hearing from his coaches and you're like oh he's not just trying to be a hard ass like he's he's got social anxiety he's got uh he's been through some shit uh he's got he had some uh, severe environmental changes as a kid which i can definitely relate to um and i'm sure he only shared half of them uh if you notice there's certain parts of his life he doesn't really talk about uh and um It just, yeah, I know I'm rambling on here, but yeah, it just really kind of helped me identify with a fighter who I thought I already had an opinion about. And I think that is not what you aim to do with any of these promos, but that's uh, ideally the best thing you can do.
1: Yeah, you got to make the fighter relatable. You got to see if you have any kind of common ground. And at the end of the day... The Diaz brothers might have unique personalities and fighting styles, but they're real martial artists. And one thing that I didn't like about Connor's promo before the first Nate fight, I believe, you know, about him making fun of Nate for teaching kids jujitsu on a Sunday and, and helping out the elderly and stuff, even though the elderly part was what well, you just made up. But right. the kids the kids jujitsu on a Sunday, it's like, dude, why why are you making fun of him for helping kids out <laughs> you know what i mean like sorry sorry that you don't train jiu connor sorry that you don't help kids out on a sunday but he actually does so you know that that plus the, the video you're referring to like i know the diaz brothers act how they act but they're not just putting on a show for the cameras man they they really are how they are but at the end of the day i don't think they're bad dudes and you know they uh they teach kids jiu on sundays man i got respect for them
0: yeah, that's real. And not to turn it to Connor or punch toward him. But yeah, he was, he was definitely punching down there. And, uh, I think that's one thing that people respect about the Diaz Brothers, whether it was Nate with his, the height of his success or Nick when he was at the height of his, they stayed in Stockton. Whereas I think they've clocked more Stockton time than Connor's clock Dublin time although there's probably other reasons for that but hey that's not this podcast one
1: one thing you cannot (laughs) criticize the diaz brothers for you can never say they're not loyal
0: that's right and one last thing before we move on on that one was the episode three when they closed out as well it was they did another because it really it's not the strongest prime time it's really they closed episode one really well and they close episode three really well, which is what you're supposed to do. Strong open, strong finish. And they're finished which you'll probably hear playing in the background here, uh Virgin by Manchester Orchestra. Uh you know, Manchester Orchestra, I I am not I hype. Georgia band, yeah. by the way. Yeah, they're, they're, there you go. From over
1: here.
0: And, and 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 I think that really helped them a lot. You know, this got on the you know, I was just listening to this the other day with some friends going out uh going out of town and I was like, Where have I heard this before? And my buddy Brian's like, Dude, this was on the primetime from the, the DS Condit and uh yeah, just, just a lot of cool uh, Easter eggs from that episode.
1: Yeah, shout shout out to my boys, Manchester Orchestra, rep- representing Georgia.
0: And I used to always quote that line too when the song was playing. That the, what Nick Diaz was saying. I used to always quote it when uh, 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 when I whenever I was cutting weight. I'm tired, I'm sick. I don't got patience. Anything that has to do with patience. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> fucking good. And this was the song is creeping in. Oh. Alright, sorry, I'm done waxing, I'm done waxing. Take the steering wheel from me, Dan. Number
1: number two. So back in June of two thousand six, there was a debut of a fighter who would go on to be arguably the greatest fighter of all time, had at the time the longest title reign of all time, and is probably the best middleweight of all time. And I'm talking about Anderson the Spider Silva, and no he shit. made his debut. Against Chris the Crippler Lieben, who was, you know, an emerging knockout artist who was a personality on the first season of Tough, very, very tough guy. I mean, when guys beat Lieben, you know, they they might, you know, edge out a decision, catch him in a sub late after a big war, but no, no one had ever gone in there and just smashed a guy like Lieben. So and, and everyone loved Lieben, he's a great personality. So in the pre fight promo and this is before anderson's debut chris levin's in there like i'm gonna beat him up i'm gonna roughneck him after this fight he'll want to go back to japan where the competition is easier and i'm just like oh shit like you know what i mean he's about to fuck this guy anderson silva up like you know (laughs) And uh, he's using stuff he's using words like roughnecking him like i had never heard anything like that in my life like to this day i'm you know i kind of know what it means you know rough and tough and rough and tough him up a little bit but like who else has ever said i'm gonna roughneck him you know what i mean so to this day i'm like whenever i hear that promo i'm like oh shit yeah he's gonna fuck this guy up so you know he said he's gonna send him back to uh, japan where the competition's a little easier then they get inside the ufc's octagon 49 seconds later a new star is born and anderson silva gets a title shot off his UFC debut. And he goes on to beat Rich Franklin, goes on to beat him in the rematch, goes on to become the greatest middleweight of all time. And it all started with that promo, my friend.
0: After he gets in there with me and I knock him out, he, he may want to go back to Japan or somewhere where the competition's a little easier. Fuck yeah. Holy shit, man. I for, yeah, I forgot about this. I actually think I actually watched this card live, too, uh, in the the Hard Rock uh, fight night uh, there. Uh yeah, man. I wow. I didn't even go back to watch this one, but holy shit. I'm gonna go back and rewatch this one after this podcast because, in retrospect, obviously with what you just said, and obviously everybody listening to this, I hope knows Anderson Silva's trajectory from that point. <laughs> um, holy shit. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great one, man. Especially Chris leaving too. Just thinking about that that fucking werewolf. I mean, you know, he meant all those words too. Like it was not phony when he was saying those things. Holy shit. Nice one, man. Very 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 nice pick there.
1: I'm glad you like it. I got some more uh, Chris Liebman for these honorable mentions.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. We'll be, I'll definitely be looking forward to uh, looking forward to that. I think even just like the, yeah, he's he doesn't even try to, which is the great thing. Like uh I was I was asked in the last interviews after his uh bare knuckle fight against uh, Justin Baseman and uh I was asking him about it. I was like, hey, you know those uppercuts with the Irish collar where you pull down the head. It's great to pull down the head. And that's what you finished it with. And it looked like you were breaking it down to your corner afterwards, Chris. But I got to ask, with, with, with the bare knuckle, like the guy's mouthpiece flew out. Do, do you feel the teeth there? And like, do you, do you worry about that? And Chris was like, here's my math. I will break, I will cut my knuckles and my fingers up to knock that tooth out. That's worth it to me. And I'm yes, like, sir. I'm like, that's why you're a fighter, Chris. That's why you're a fucking fighter, Jesus Chris. So I'll sacrifice any part of my body as long as I'm knocking something of his off. Legend. <laughs> he specked. Holy shit, nice man. All right, let, we'll push forward. Page mark though, those uh, Chris Leben honorable mentions. So when we get to it, um, yeah, man, my number one's a pretty obvious one with the direction I kind of took my list. I, I couldn't help but I. Believe me, I've got a lot of fan stuff and and, and some other fighter stuff uh, that I'm definitely going to be shouting out here. That re- was really close to making the list, but once I went down this road, man, the, this was amongst like the three that I, the top three uh, or so. And I just wasn't sure where to place it, but I couldn't help it, man. From it's what's the newest one on my list? It's 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 fairly new. It's only a year or two old, but it's so well done. So well promoted, it tells a story that you, you only could get with these two guys, and they didn't fuck it up. You know, it's tough, you know. If you don't like how they did the X-Men movies, well, you're kind of stuck with it, because there's not going to be a, a better person to play fucking Professor X and Patrick Stewart. There's not going to be a better guy for Wolverine than uh, the, the, uh, Hugh Jackman. You know what I'm saying? But And we're only going to get one John Jones and Daniel Cormier rivalry. And they did him justice uh, for UFC 214. I know you know this, Dan.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, where do we start? Do we start with, hey, pussy, you still there? Or do we start with, you know I would absolutely kill you? Like, where, where do we start, man? Oh, yeah, that was the thing.
0: Like, you could actually go to their first fight and the promos were still good because there was just already a plethora of footage, quotes, like Dan just said. uh press conference, scraps, shoes thrown, punches thrown. I mean, these guys kind of gave you a lot to work with. But the USC just did something. And I'm a fan. I'm I'm a film nerd, obviously. Um, Even though I'm I'm on here saying don't watch trailers because they give everything away, which is true. I get it because trailers are an art themselves they're beautiful they're fun uh you know you aren't you got your popcorn in front of you you're already stoked for the movie you get these trailers so to speak and the UFC really recreated that here with this promo uh showing John Jones's timeline of him being you know the good Christian boy i I'm here for the sport I would never do anything that's solely the sport this is the first day of being champion living a good life shows him kissing his wife when she still had the blonde hair right it's like it's it's going deep with the footage and uh and and then my favorite cut you know and I'll, I'll probably lay it I'll probably lay it uh, under here or maybe even pause break for it but you hear Dana White this is where the real challenge begins and uh you hear Dana White go and, you know and, and I remember this interview went live when it happened he goes and after John Jones won the championship and he, he beat Shogun he goes and now we see what happens we, we, yeah. now we see what happens uh, in reference to all the people around him and they do that just typical like the uh the bell the bell noise like to to, to change scenes like ping, and it shows john jones just singing uh, uh shaking hands with just a bunch of people like an entourage and you know ping, and then he goes to you know, john jones you know and he's like will i be humble will i be respectful and he's doing like the dx suck it to daniel Cormier in the first fight like it was so beautifully done it didn't pull any punches and even john jones haters have to respect uh, not just respect the promo, because how can you not respect the promo, but, like, have some empathy kind of for the story. I'm not saying him as a human. You know, I'm, I'm not telling you who to be a fan of and who not to be a fan of here, folks, but, like, it did him justice. Kind of like talking about Nick Diaz. Like, you know, you almost got to get that rawness to see, to see that, okay, you know, yeah, he's certainly a weird cat. I'm not going to defend the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could have some bad sides to him for sure. But, boy, not only do I not, you know, uh, Hate is a strong word, but you know, uh, not to, you know, to dislike the guy. I'm more intrigued. I'm more interested. I dare say, I'm more empathetic to see where his story goes. And I really got that. And we got you know, I know the, you know the, the, the test supplement. I'm not gonna go down that road. But what we did get was, I would argue, a really great fight. You know, DC, if you were a DC fan, he was having some good moments. He knocked John Jones' mouthpiece off at one point. You know, he he, he gave you some moments to cheer about and made it an intense fight, whereas John Jones just really stepped up his boxing like you've never seen it before. And it's just, in my opinion, one of the most impressive performances possibly to date that I've seen from him. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, uh, the, the fight, the fight, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole with Tess, but I would argue just it, it lived up.
1: Oh, man i mean both their fights lived up uh one of the best rivalries ever one of the best rivalries even for the score being where it is at two and oh for for joe inside just the animosity when you talk about a guy like daniel cormier such a consummate professional such a role model for people to look up to and you know someone who always keeps his cool except when he's around john jones and it's like man even daniel cormier the the olympian the champ champ the this the that the you know he's such a role model he's such a cool guy even he loses his cool around a guy like john jones and that's what made that fight so marketable not to mention the fact that it was literally the two best fighters on planet earth right so man uh i will (laughs) i will always be tuning in when uh john jones and daniel cormier fight no doubt about it and uh the way they promoted that fight definitely definitely helped
0: yeah and even you know after the fight uh you know and like i you know the the unfortunate you know memeing or you could argue over focusing on the daniel cormier crying part aside you got kind of both turns and you kind of saw them trying to build toward that character turn of john jones being the bad guy good guy to the bad guy to trying to be a good guy again the redemptive angle and cormier going from good guy uh and then losing his cool like you said which is yeah you're right another great point and, uh, you know, talking about John Jones, in order to go full circle, he has to lose to me. Now, he didn't obviously lose to Daniel Cormier, but I would argue that, you know, and and what sucks is, you know, kind of got undone, not just the test, but, you know, the, the rivalry sparked. For, I, I lost track at this point. But there is a nice moment that I don't think we should forget about is what I'm long-windedly trying to say here is where John Jones, instead of like, you know, I hope he's somewhere crying, uh, he was, you know he knew he'd won he knew he'd bested and made it clear he bested his, his rival and was giving him credit as a you know a father as a champion and all those things and I, I just thought that was great and uh I was hoping we'd see more of that uh Jones but you know neither here nor there their rivalry obviously is still lit a fire but that was just kind of a beautiful moment
1: yeah, it was, but uh, I'm just going to say don't don't expect to see more of that Jones cuz that's not who he is, man. Uh Yeah, I think that's what we learned, right? Yeah, and, and uh I'm not going to get into this either, but I, let's just say I've been told that the stories we hear are true. So, uh don't <laughs> expect, don't expect anyone to clean up their act anytime soon is all I got to say.
0: Yeah, I don't doubt that either, my friend. I don't doubt that either. Uh, yeah, that, that that is one thing history does repeat itself. That's a good thing about going back and looking at these episodes, eh?
1: Hey, but I love watching them fight.
0: That's right. I I will sign up too if 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 it happens again. All right, are
1: we on your number 1, sir? Yes, sir. So, you know, I didn't want to sit here and, you know, do you no, know, the 50 G's baby or, you know, surprise surprise motherfuckers, you know, this shit that you guys already probably expected us to say and Or even Diaz's, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, and or Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, motherfucker. Like, you know, if you guys wanted those lists, like, just go to YouTube and find that. You know what I'm saying? But I do want to have Conor McGregor in my number one list, just because I really feel like he's the number one self-promoter in the history of the sport. But I want to use an example that might kind of be overlooked and. The one I want to use is there was a moment when he was at this press conference and it was one of their, you know how they do their seasonal press conferences with you know all the main events for upcoming fights. And so he's he's literally at the press conference and he calls out all the 45ers, 55ers, and 70 pounders in the UFC and says that look, I'm I'm trying to run all three divisions. Now, obviously he didn't end up running all three divisions, but what he did end up doing since that point was And at this press conference I'm referencing, he was only a featherweight at the time, right? Mm. So, so after that fact, he went up to 170 and he had the two fights with Diaz and he went back down to 55, won that belt. So it ended up kind of coming to fruition that, you know, he was going to have at least some success in all three weight classes, but here's what I wanted to get to. So he's calling all these different guys out at this press conference, talking all kinds of shit. It's so memorable, but, uh, When he starts talking to Cowboy Cerrone, man, and I still feel like this fight can happen one day, I almost lost my mind. He's like, you're stiff as a board. I'd snap you in half. He's like, your numbers are very, very low, very poor. I'll talk to Lorenzo, Uncle Frank. We'll look at the numbers, and I'll decide if I want to change your bum life too. I change your bum life. I'm like, man, that's my number one right there, man, because it really felt like, he kind of owned the game. He kind of called the shots at that point in time, and And you know, I kind of thought it was a joke when he was saying, "Oh, you know, if I if I want to go to 70, to 55, all this shit." I was like, "Dude, stay in your lane at 45." The motherfucker went up to 71 to fight, won to 55, won the belt. So I mean, like like to quote Conor McGregor, "Have I been wrong yet? Have I been wrong yet?" You know, so uh that's my number one, dude. But guess what? Have I been wrong yet? Have I been wrong yet? No.
0: Wow, that's a good. One. I actually forgot all about that one. I know, obviously, I know exactly what we're talking about and remember it when it happened. But yeah, that one doesn't ever get talked about, and that 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 age, that one I would say aged age better for sure because of where he was. You're right; he was only forty five at this time, and to kind of see where he went uh, and to deliver on that. And yeah, that's definitely when I started kind of catching wind to uh, that of that side of him. I mean, you could kind of hear it in his interviews before that. He always kind of had an extravagancy, you know, about him um but uh but yeah that was definitely that was definitely when he was making that turn man nice no that was a good that was a good one i thought i thought you were going to go somewhere slightly different with it uh but man i'm glad you came strong with the fighter based promos too man i think it balanced out both these lists really well i'm I'm, I'm looking back at both of our fives here uh, my friend
1: man it's like one of my favorite things about the sport like when we first started this episode. And I was talking about how Fox kind of got rid of that, but now ESPN kind of bringing it back. Like it's cool to hear from the prelim fighters. It's cool to hear from the undercard fighters. I want to know, you know about these guys' personalities, and I just want to hear them hype the fight. I want them to get us excited for the fight. Look, for me, they don't got to talk to get me excited. I'm going to watch anyways. I mean this, this is what I do, Dan. You know that. But yep. for other people, like if I want to bring some friends over – like let let's get the shit going, man. Let let's hype it up. Like let's make it exciting. Give them a reason to want to watch you fight. So, man, I just uh, I'm all about those pre-fight promos. Yes,
0: yeah, sir. I hope they I hope they do more and keep coming strong and keep uh keep adjusting. I'm not trying to be too critical because I know it's just the beginning. So I know they're gonna keep getting better with that. But yeah, no. Back to your original point though, at the beginning. Of, that is that that is great of them. So let's uh let let let's cue let's up and see what the listeners have for uh some of their some of their top five shall we
1: yes sir listeners and then honorable
0: mentions uh yes sir so while I'm pulling this up, I guess queue up uh, whatever honorable mention is closest that didn't uh that didn't make the list for you and I guess we'll just we'll just go from there
1: yeah I got a couple we can we can uh go through them quick man so before Anderson Silva fought Vitor Belfort right. and I don't know if you guys remember the magnitude of that fight at the time because not only did they have this great rivalry from all the way back in Brazil, because I think they they might have trained together or something. And Anderson had this thing about if you train with them and you even mention fighting him, like it's the ultimate disrespect. It, it, it's some Brazilian thing, right? So, so they, these two fucking hated each other, man. And uh, you know what I mean? There was the whole thing where vitor called him fake by saying uh, anderson wears a mask and then the next day at the face off anderson literally puts on a mask and gets in his face and that really sold the fight but the one that will always stand out to me is at the press conference for this fight you know one of the reporters is like hey anderson is vitor belfort the toughest fight of your long illustrious career no <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at the time Vitor he's running through everyone he's on this big knockout streak just knocked out Rich Franklin like it was nothing made that UFC return like is this scary guy that you don't fuck with and you know the reporter asked him straight up like you know you fought all these guys like Rich Franklin Chris Lieb and Luder all these guys is Chael Son and Damian Maya? is Vitor Belfort the toughest fight of your long illustrious career no <laughs> so yeah that's uh that that's one of my favorites no that's
0: a good one and they actually had a good uh i think they even had like just a good like uh highlight promo leading up to that like they were just stringing together all the knockouts and that was just a, a it really got me pumped too as well they, they that, I mean, there was some real anticipation for that one man i remember that Vitor was training at extreme Couture at that time uh under my coach neil fucking neil uh that was when yeah that was when uh neil lost his toe too because uh there was two bookings for that Belfort Torf- fight. And um, when it got rebooked, uh, he, uh, he he had his toe injury, and it was either going to be a surgery, which wasn't going to correct the problem, and it was a, a toe that he's long been having problems with, and it was going to keep him off the mat. He's going to miss uh, Vitor's camp. And uh, so he asked the doctor, he's like, what if what if we amputated? What's the recovery time then? And the doctor's like, what the fuck are you... Cr- I mean, we could do it, but no one asks that. He's like, well, what's the recovery time. He's like, well, I mean two weeks in a cane, but your, your balance will be adjusted then because it was just his, uh, his middle toe and not the big toe, the one, uh, the one next to it. And, uh, and so he's like, yep, cut it off. And, uh, he came in with a cane, was teaching classes with a cane and, uh, finished Vitor Belfort camp. Uh, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's some fucking dedication right there. A little side note behind the, behind the scene. Uh, real quick, um, uh, Danny Mitchell at Mitchell MMA. When it comes to fan-made stuff, the old Sherdog sure highlights are what truly got me into MMA. UFC 40 had me had me to notice got me to notice the sport, but I got hooked by sitting in high school computer lab and watching their Vitor Sakuraba or Bass highlights over and over. I I'm, I think I know what he's talking about for these. Um uh, this is like digging way back. Wow, nice one Danny Mitchell. Did those ring a bell for you, those old Sherdog sure highlights? I I, I mean I can't tell what was sure dog and what was fan made, especially early on.
1: Man, not off the top of my head, but I'm sure they were badass, dude. It's just I uh, personally was never a, a sure dog guy, but uh,
0: absolutely. And I do have some highlights um, that may have been featured on these sites, uh, for all I know. But like of certain highlight people that I definitely wanted to shout out. Um, there is a fan made one that Jordan at Jay York eighty seven. You guys know him, Jordan Killen. He just hosted the last top five. Uh, it was a, a fan-made Max Holloway one. He he really likes. I'll retweet it from the podcast handle so you guys can go check it out at the PYM Podcast. Um, and it's a really cool one. It's just it looks like an official UFC one, and it's like uh, it's a, it's a total. You dig it, Dan? It's a very like drum liney. It just it sounds like it's all pretty much kind of almost like a snare that's kind of building, and they're, they're stringing all Max Hall, uh, Holloway's highlights together. And there's actually a lot of them pre UFC 206, which is what this was for, and they put like the official UFC 206 tag at the end. Um, that was really cool. And last one here, uh, hey,
1: real quick, real yeah, quick, on on the topic of fan made promos, there there was this guy, his name was Nick the Face. Yes. And, and man, he would just fucking kill it with his uh, with his basically fan made promos. He would make them himself and. They were real pro-quality, real badass, and there was one that happened for a fight that actually never took place because I don't know if you remember back when Nick Diaz was supposed to fight GSP, but then he didn't show up to a press conference, so uh-huh. they pulled him out of the fight, and then uh, and then GSP got pulled from the fight, so then they were supposed to do BJ Penn versus Carlos Condit.
0: Thank God that didn't happen.
1: Actually, so – I'm kind of of wrong here. What was supposed to happen initially was Nick Diaz and GSP and BJ Penn versus Carlos Condit was the co-main event. Okay, so that's what happened. And that co-main event between BJ Penn and Carlos Condit, Nick the Face made a promo for it and broke. Even though the fight never happened, like to this day, I can still watch that promo and it just gives me goosebumps. You have to pull it up, man. Uh, Nick the Face, BJ Penn versus Carlos Condit. Just the way he made it, and he's got both guys saying quotes. He's got the epic music in the background. He's got the highlights. Like it still gets me pumped as if that fight's gonna happen. And then, interestingly enough, it ended up being BJ Penn versus Nick Diaz. But uh, you guys have to check out that Nick the Face, BJ Penn versus Carlos Condit promo video. I'm glad you brought up Nick the Face. I totally forgot to mention him. And yeah, that was a really good one.
0: Also, that was funny about... I don't know if he did, did did a comedy one, but I remember a funny one getting released shortly after when they, they did the swap, and it was BJ versus Nick at like 131 or whatever that card was. Or 231. I, I don't even know anymore. Whatever. Fucking something. Uh, uh, Some card. Uh, But uh, what was cool was... Uh, or what was funny was they put... Like someone put out a trailer and... <laughs> It was like it was for, for it was for BJ Penn versus Nick Diaz, but I, I think the Nick Diaz stuff was just him like doing nunchucks and like kind of stupid shit like that. But for BJ, it was like BJ when he was like out of shape or like like they were track down footage of him like kind of like drunk and running in the street like pushing the camera like and like they started like editing like Mike Tyson like Mike Tyson audio clips over like uh, overweight BJ Penn like you want to see the real man. And like it was just it was fucking ridiculous. It was like the most like what the fuck did i just watch promo but um it was on one it was it, it was all over like those sites like i would go to like to com back in the day which was always a random aggregate of a bunch of shit. Um but yeah, last uh last listener one here by uh uh Shub Karan, at Shub Karan, uh The Jones vs DC promo Control Your Demons or some shit like that. Whoever made that deserves an Emmy. Uh that was my number one. Yeah, definitely they definitely deserve something for that. Um, all right, uh, I think that does it for the, the listener ones. So I just want to give a, give a couple of mine as well. We'll go back and forth here, Dan, and, and we'll get out of here. Uh, the one that almost made my list was uh, a guy who did, obviously, uh, one of the more, more popular highlight guys is a lot of video work, Lazy the Savage. He does a lot of highlights, Dan, but uh, do you ever see the On This Team, Caesar Gracie uh, highlight
1: video? Not off the top of my head. I'm sure I have because uh, I know... I know he's amazing at what he does. It'll bring it up and just type in Caesar Gracie uh, on this team, folks.
0: And it's pretty much like, and I'm one of those people, I'm a sucker, man. And it's funny, you listen enough of those highlight videos, you can kind of hear where these fighters are almost like quoting these highlight videos in their interviews. Um, Find your why. Yo, why? Your why? Sorry. <laughs> but like, there's a lot of these like promo video, uh, motivational videos on YouTube, they'll use a lot of the same clips. And one of them that always comes up is that Al, Al Pacino, I think it's from Any Given Sunday. And, uh,. Because you know, when you get old, things get taken from you. That's a part of life, really. Uh, and he's, you know, like, he's like, but this game is a game of inches, you know. And on this team, we fight for that inch. We crawl for that inch. Are you, is that monologue kind of sound familiar, Dan, at all? Yes, sir. And uh, it's great because it's for football, obviously, but it's so applicable to MMA. It really is, you know, when he's talking about inches and on this team, and, and as far as like on this team crawling for that inch, and look at the guy, look at the guy next to you. He's going to be the guy. And MMA is a very individual sport, and teams kind of come and go. But one thing we talk about MMA Junkie Radio, there's not many teams like the Sarah Longos of the world or the Caesar Gracies of the world where like these guys kind of feel really tight. Like, there's some, there's some kind of tightness there that you really can't phone in. And obviously teams will go through their phases. Nothing's perfect, granted. But Cesar Gracie and the team Cesar Gracie really had that. So they, on the highlight, they just do a great job of splicing from training footage to, like, them walking around the city from, like, whether it's, like, that old one of Nick Diaz walking with his shirt off to, like, more, like, newer, like, really well-shot camera stuff of them in Stockton. Like, you know, uh, you know they cut to Cesar Gracie during the Al Pacino line. Like, when you get old, things get taken from you. And, like, it just shows Jake Shield. It's just it's a great highlight. He also doesn't, you know... Uh, message to the establishment which people might be familiar with. It's the Rage Against the Machine song and Nick Diaz highlight, but shouts to Lazy the Savage.
1: Hell yeah, salute that guy. Uh, he puts in a lot of work. And, any, uh, any others you want to fire off here, Dan? Well, not uh, fan-made promos, but definitely some honorable mentions that yes. I have. Uh, Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy is a great promo maker back when he was a fighter and two fights specifically. Firstly, his fight with Marcus Davis. Oh, yeah. And like, dude, the kind of shit he was talking for that fight was so amazing because basically for a little history lesson, so Marcus Davis... His nickname was the Irish hand grenade. Right. And but the guy was born in the United States. And Dan Hardy, he's actually British. You know, that's closer to Ireland than the the United States. England is. So so basically Dan Hardy had an issue with uh, with Marcus Davis. Basically, he basically called him a fake Irish man. He said that, you know, he looks like uh, he got dressed up at an Irish gift shop, and uh, he, he was just making fun of him for being a fake Irishman. And Marcus Davis, like, the guy doesn't have much of a sense of humor, so he took it really personally. And if you go watch, uh, there's like a nine-minute preview video that the UFC did for UFC 99 between Hardy and Davis. Fucking unbelievable. Make sure you watch that. And then the other Dan Hardy fight was his fight with Carlos Condit. I know he lost that fight, but, man, the pre-fight video— it got me so ready to see that fight. I mean, I, I didn't have to see a video at all. It was Dan Hardy and Carlos Condit. You know those two are going to stand and bang until the one man falls. But the pre-fight video, Dan Hardy's talking about how he can close his eyes, throw a punch in any direction. And he's still going to knock Carlos Condit out. And uh, it was just fucking awesome, man, that kind of trash talk. So make sure you guys go back and watch uh, the Dan Hardy versus Marcus Davis and Carlos Condit uh, pre-fight promos.
0: Dude, that's a great one. The UFC 99 one, especially that got dark and deep, man. He got, he got. Yeah. I mean, because you didn't really see that outside, like you know, the main event sometimes. And uh, yeah, no, that 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 was a great pull, man. Uh, one I thought you were gonna pull earlier when you were doing one UFC 113. It was a similar setup where it was a fighter talking, but it was, but the, it was a promo, but they used the lines of the fighter talking, right? Um, and this is kind of... And it also ties to your number one because when you think of Conor McGregor, you don't think of that one, and that's an early Conor, and that's a more pure, I would argue, kind of a version of him, right? Um, and uh, the same goes for Chael Sonnen, you know? Chael Sonnen first got on my radar with... And his, his trash talk was more just, like, uber confident. That was, like, his confidence did not match his fighting style. You're like, okay, you're effective, but, like... It's not that exciting. Like you know, I, I, I first watched his fights with Paulo Filio, and then I watched his fight uh, with uh, Brian Baker, which uh, w- I, I believe fell right in between both Paulo Filio fights. And I loved, and I just loved how he said he was just like, uh, you know, uh, I will. He, he goes, I will fight. Uh, I forget the, the the guy interviewing him pays him a compliment, and I I love when they acknowledge the compliment, you know. And he, he acknowledges. He goes, well, first off, I just want to say thank you. That was very kind of you. And secondly, then he gets into you know fighter mode and he goes I will fight any man god has created unlike some fighters. And I was like holy <laughs> shit and I didn't know he was talking about Anderson Silva but like he he was talking about Anderson Silva for a while. So the, that wasn't my pick. My pick was almost going to be the UFC 117 promo again just four away from your 113 pick uh Dan but do you remember the promo for that fight again it wasn't anything special but it was like just Chael Sonnen like it was they took it from a Q&A and he really brought his A game for that Q and A because we didn't really see it yet in the UFC, and I love it in the promo. Again, it's just it's not crazy trash talk yet. He's not talking about the Nogueras. or he's not he's not having to go into Brazil, but he was uh, talking about uh, Anderson Silva being inflated, uh, not as good as people think. And one of the lines just always resonate. It was toward the end. He goes, "Yes, he is a great fighter, but I am the best." And I was like, oh, and I didn't, you know, put yourself, Anderson Silva is at the peak, right? And even though I'm a, I'm a slight fan of this sudden guy, and I like wrestling style, so I'm definitely not discounting him overly. But I'm not really giving him a shot, but I'm like, holy shit, this guy is making me interested in this fucking fight. And, you know, granted the fight was going to take place on August 7th on my birthday, and he's like, on August 7th you're going to see. And we got one of the greatest, you know, one of the greatest fights ever. Uh, most important historical fights you know you can reference for many reasons right
1: man i'm so glad you brought up chael because this uh show would not be complete without referencing chael's Son, and obviously the one you mentioned amazing and i would always go back and watch uh, his uh you know his little q and a's he did with the fans because he would always have a bunch of hilarious lines ready but one that always stuck with me so as you guys know brian stan you know uh, won the purple heart i mean won the purple heart was awarded a purple heart you know for for valor uh you know uh the guy the guy's an american war hero right so so chael sonnen's supposed to fight uh brian stan at ufc 236 and in this pre-fight promo chael sonnen's like Bri- brian stan's a good american he loves the usa i love the usa and tonight He's going to get a red, white, and blue ass-whipping. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You
0: forget about that one because everybody remembers his post-fight speech from that fight. But you're right. That was, that, was a, that was one of his better lines, for sure. Oh,
1: yeah. Post-fight speech. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck.
0: Yes. That was just... Oh, that was great. Oh, that was great. Yeah. No, we, we had to mention Chael Son in there. But, but it, again, you know, again, his, his his trash talk definitely took a turn. And up. Not for the worst. Like I, I love that the uh, the Brazil carrot thing and that after party or wherever Ariel was able to lock him down at. That was, that was a classic, man.
1: Oh man, that um, that was some straight gold.
0: But or, and and uh, just last thing on Shale, I don't, uh, not MMA promo related, but do you ever? I'm sure he's been invited back but it was like the first time he got invited on a TMZ and he's like totally like taking control of the set like the guy's trying the host is trying to talk with the dreads he goes are these things real he's just interrupting a mid
1: sentence is this on <laughs> yeah 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 he, uh, he's uh he's amazing
0: man uh just to continue cleaning up and getting us out of here uh, some some funny ones that I don't know if you remember do you remember uh uh henan Barrow Ralph henan Borrow henan
1: Borrow hen oh barow, yeah uh, Well, where did that come from I mean obviously it's a it's the beach Boys song, but I'm saying yeah. who who made that promo was it alpha male maybe
0: I gotta oh i I should probably I, I should probably look that up right now uh if you want to pontificate on this more go to your next one I'm gonna look that up as we speak,
1: okay, well, one that there's no way in hell I'm leaving Dan Tom's show without mentioning is. Back at UFC 101, you guys remember Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin. But the main event that night was BJ Penn versus Kenny Florian. And Kenny Florian was on a massive run at the time. And, you know, he had the failed title bid against Sean Shirk, you know, the very bloody fight. But since that point, he got on this massive win streak, started, you know, finishing everyone that he was fighting. Except Roger Huerta, right? But no, but he he beat his ass, right? So he earned his title fight. And in the pre-fight video, I mean, the kinds of things that Kenny Florian was saying, I mean, I still remember it. I mean, there's this one. I'm going to beat him skill for skill, round by round. I'm going to take him apart. I may finish him in the first round. Did he really say this? The prodigy BJ Penn looks to defend his title for the second
0: time when he takes on Kenny Ken Flo Florian. Who
1: wants to see fight finish?
0: After winning six in a row, Kenny Florian has nothing but the world title in his sights.
1: The UFC calls, you got a fight coming up, you got to hope and pray it's not Kenny Florian.
0: But beating the champion will be no easy task. After his complete destruction of Sean Shirk, BJ Penn displayed an unmatchable dominance.
1: I consider you a master, it's time to kill that master. The end of the video, the end of the promo video, it's like, I want bj's belt and then uh in the actual long played out video uh yes. kenny's like bj's the master it's time to kill the master and uh and then bj penn's like did he really say this shit? so uh, that really got me pumped for that fight.
0: I love that. I remember that because i was i was I was, a, I was a Kenny Florian uh fan, and I was you know uh, going into that fight even too, obviously, and I was just like, "Oh man, it sucks both guys I like have to fight each other, right, but Kenny has been going for that lightweight title you know forever since uh, the since his kind of rushed bid against Sean Shirk. And, uh, yeah, I remember those promos, dude, because they would always, like, because, you know, they always finish with the UFC graphic, like, live September twenty-six, and they would give you the information at the end. And like you'll kind of like play, and the music will start fading out, and and then all of a sudden you just hear, "I finished fights," <laughs> just like, up, you just "I want BJ's I want P.J. Pro." Yeah, and like, and and yeah, and it was just funny because I I would already kind of quote Kenny Florian at a comedy, like in the gym, like if I pull something off in the gym or like at a t- like a, like a friend or someone I knew, I'd be like, "Who wants to see fight finish at 178? Because I was, you know, <laughs> that's how much I weighed. <laughs> <It was like> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's great. By the way, I looked it up. I, I don't it didn't really say a credit who made the video, but on the YouTube channel, it's been up there since twenty twelve and it says free fights number four you. If you want to look up uh, UFC 149, Hanamba Rao Rao, Hanam Brow, Rao. another another funny musical one, I don't know what UFC it was, like UFC one forty, it was their return to Japan, and that's actually what it's titled. It was UFC Returns to Japan, and that's all you have to type in YouTube. And uh, I love this one because uh, it, was, uh, it was This was uh, Frankie Edgar Versus uh, Benson Henderson in their first fight And uh, that was pretty much The main part of the promo But they used that song I forget what it's from I don't know if it's from South Park or whatever But Goes used to use it Back when the call, Junkie Callers Had their own collins song And one of my favorite callers of all time Aaron Fisher the, uh, They actually used what was his Collins song So it was kind of surreal And it was that like Hey, hi, Kiku Ikai-shu. It's like it's like very Japanese like they're making like, like protect my boss. Like it's just it's hilarious like if you break down the words they're saying, but look it up. It's like Benson Henderson, Frankie Edgar, like they put big anime eyes on them. Like it's it's pretty freaking they have Buffer. Oh, Buffer is hilarious. Like he's going crazy with Japanese girls, I think, and he's announcing songs like it, it's fucking it, it, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, I do actually remember that and the poster as well. Uh definitely uh Definitely some stuff you got to check out. And there's a bunch of, like, new guys making promos. Uh, there's one called Teep Channel. He's really fucking good. This one isn't really a promo, but my, my dude, Mojahed Fujalat, does oh, all yeah. the, the animation videos. I actually interviewed him on Half the Battle. Super cool guy. Definitely got to check him out. I know there's I know there's more guys out there that I'm not remembering right now, but there's definitely some good people out here yeah. making good promos, man. And, uh, man, I got another one for you, though, go. dude. go. So, you know, this one, it's not as big of a deal, but it just kind of always uh, resonated with me for whatever reason. Uh, back when Chris Liebman was going to fight Michael Bisbing and, uh, you know, Chris uh-huh. Lieben's really – he's really feeling himself. He's got the cornrows. He's wearing the ice, you know, the ice on his wrist and his neck and and he's like, I'm going to knock out Michael Bisbee. He, so so he's calling Michael he, he didn't even say his name, right? He called him Michael Bisbee. Like, I'm gonna knock out Michael Bisbee. <laughs> like, dude, to this day, I think that shit's fucking hilarious, man. So great, dude. I love that.
0: And I love that era of Chris Levin too, because like, it wasn't too far removed from that epic like two week run. I forget who he beat. Was it Aaron Simpson and uh, uh, Yoshihiro As- Sekiyama back to back? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That that was just such a that was such a crazy run, and that was funny too, because Sekiyama was actually in the gym before that Leben fight. And uh, I actually remember this vividly. I remember him vividly drilling triangle defense and going over to. uh, Because again, this isn't too far from what a time I referenced with the uh, Vitor and Anderson Silva. So we had a lot of high level fighters in the gym, uh, uh, the heavier weights at that time. And uh, I was my coach Neil. He's like, his specialty is like triangle chokes. I'm like, why aren't you working with uh, Sexyama over there? And he goes, uh, He's trying to be respectful. He goes, we tried to work, but let, and granted, Neil's a very rough coach. Uh, he's rough for most people, but uh, he was like, uh, let's just say Sexyama was in more into cosmetic training. And that's all he needed to say. I was like, ah, okay. And I'm like, that's why he's working that garbage triangle. And then you see fucking leaving, gassed out leaving able to sub him. <laughs> and then he got triangle in the fight. Yeah. This is so, it was so ironic. Um, just the last of my shout outs and then I get you know, the last year is Risen. Ha- we kind of noted already Risen had some, it was hard to pick one because like the kid Yamamoto, they had so many different ones for kid, like, cause they had Miriam, uh, fighting and some other people that were really close to kid fighting. So they kind of did different ones. They had a cool one for like Horaguchi's karate co- coach who passed away, but I just want to give Risen a shout. And the last of the old, I'm glad you gave uh, the newer guys a shout in the newer channels for sure. Um, especially that that, that that Muhammad gentleman who makes those animated videos really good job but um hypnotic did some really cool uh uh work and so did machine men both of them have my favorite bj penn highlights uh hypnotic has an old school bj penn one where i think it only goes up to the i don't even think it goes to the sanchez fight i think it just has the the florian fight and it just kind of kind of shows his ups and downs and it was cool they used like uh they used the uh, in the house and the heartbeat song which is from uh, for you horror movie fans, that was 28 days later. Uh, that piano song—they use that. They used an instrumental version of a Jay Z song, um, and then of course, uh, and of course, they use uh, "Crazy" as well, which is awesome. And they they edit it to where uh, the bassline's bumping in for bum 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 bum. I remember when and it's showing B J like walking in, taking his shirt off, and he's walking through the hula girls out in the Rumble in the Rock days. And then of course uh, Kapoza, shout out to sh- sh- shout out to the Grabaka Hitman. There, um, he uh, I-, I totally miss this one by Machine Men, but it's a uh, it- it's one that's probably more appropriate for BJ Penn now. It probably ages more well with him now. It has more later footage of his career, uh, and it actually starts off with him getting just the-, the piss beaten out of him in the more the more uh, later parts of his career, and then it works in crescendos into his prime, and it uses a, a cover of a song that. It's a guilty pleasure for me, but I've always been a big song on that, that U2 one song. But they would usually use it for like a, a Nicolas Cage movie trailer. But just to kind of see it poetically encapsulate a guy's career with that was, I guess, poetic nonetheless um, was, was really cool. So those two are worth tracking down. That, that's the last of it for me. But are you you're familiar with any of those, Dan?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, man, everything we've been talking about, I feel like we're going down <laughs> a, a memory somehow. lane here. You know what I'm yeah, saying? yeah. This has been a, a lot of fun, man. I got I got a couple more, but like we don't even got to sit here and, you know, reminisce on all of them. I just kind of want to list fire them. Fire it just off. Just fire stuff. it off. Yeah, just fire it off. For a bit. So uh, there was a fight between uh, Melvin Gillard and Rich Clemente. And at the time, man, it was – there's so much animosity because both these guys are, are from Louisiana. And you remember that one – that example I gave about – you know, Chris Lieben saying he wants to knock out Michael Bisbee, you know, saying his name wrong. Well, another one where the guy said the guy's name wrong kind of purposely to piss him off was Rich Clemente, uh, against Melvin Gillard. Go back and watch that promo. He's like he's like, This guy's gonna make a statement and say, I'm afraid to step in the cage with, with Melvin Guillard. <laughs> 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 Called it Melvin Guillard. And then uh, you know, after the fight they're still trying to fight. Uh it, it was pretty amazing and uh Another one that I really like is – Shouts to the original No Love, by the way. Exactly, exactly. The original. And and he had a chin, by the way. No, no disrespect. uh, So, uh, check Congo. So, you remember how I was talking about how George St. Pierre was supposed to fight Nick Diaz. BJ Penn was supposed to fight Carlos Condit. And then the co-main event of that fight was going to be of oh, that event, excuse me, was going to be Chet Congo versus Matt Mitrione. But then all the switchups happen. It ends up being BJ Penn versus Nick Diaz in the main event. This is UFC 137, and then uh, Matt Mitrione versus Chet Congo ends up being the co-main event. Now the fight itself really, really sucked, but the pre-fight promo because you know they gotta they gotta hype up the co-main event. Man, check Congo. You know, with his friend, with his French accent, he's like, "I'm not your friend. I'm not your sparring partner. I will knock him out." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "I got to see this fucking fight," you know. that's so. yeah, that was really good, actually. Yeah, that, like
0: just him being urgent was like, "Oh wow, he's actually being." Because Congo's not exactly the most urgent guy
1: in or out of the cage. So, yeah, so that one was really good. And then back at, you, at WEC 48, if you guys remember. So it was the first W – the first and only WEC pay-per-view. Yeah. It was it was Aldo versus Faber in the main event and interestingly enough – so they sold it as a WEC pay-per-view. But on their gloves, they didn't have WEC gloves. They actually had UFC gloves but with no logo on them and uh, had Bruce Buffer commentating. I, th- I think they had Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg behind the mic. So it was like a UFC event. It was like a UFC pay-per-view just with Aldo and Faber on the poster. And uh, Dana White in in the lead up, he said it so matter of factly. He said, This is literally the greatest fight in featherweight history. And just the way he said that, I'm like, Shit, he must be right. uh, I'm going to order now. You know, just he said it so matter of factly that this is literally the greatest fight in featherweight history. And at the time it was, man.
0: Definitely, my friend. Great, great callbacks there. Thanks for joining me for this list. And definitely thanks to the listeners for. Uh, you know, sitting through memory lane with us, and if there were things that aren't on your memory lane, hopefully you can go back and add them. I think we did a good job of giving you the titles and where you can look these things up. Before we get out of here, though, I just thought of this at the top of my head. This is a good good note to get out on, Dan. What's the next great uh, promo going to be between between what what two fighters, if you had to predict right now? Uh, you know, what's the next one going to be? Doesn't have to be UFC. But just 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 two fighters. Where, where are we going to see
1: that, that that thing produced? Oh man, that's really really tough. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, John Jones versus Johnny Walker. Man, I feel like well, I, I feel like none of these guys are able to challenge John Jones. And I'm, I I might be dead wrong if uh, Maheda goes out there and beats him. But I'm under the inclination that no guy that got finished by Spicely and Branch in the first round is beating a John Jones. But hey, it's MMA. Anything can happen, right? But you know, I kind of have a feeling that Johnny Walker might be the guy. And I just feel like, you know, John Jones, he's kind of super dismissive of his opponents. And I feel like when when that fight comes up with Johnny Walker, and people are actually acting like this might be the guy to dethrone you, I really feel like he's going to start acting kind of emotionally start acting uncharacteristically, start throwing out insults, start bringing up Johnny Walker's old fights from like, you know, 11 fights ago and stuff like that. And, I, I I'm very intrigued to see the promo between John Jones and Johnny Walker down the line when that fight happens because I believe deep in my heart it will.
0: I didn't see that coming, but by the end of it, you got me sold, dude. Uh, especially if they if they you know uh, Johnny can add to his highlight reel one or two more times before that happens, uh, I would definitely be sold on that. Wow, I'm gonna go with a more typical answer, I guess, but uh, it's also a cursed one because. I could be jinxing it, but I, there's no way I could jinx this any more than it's already be, been jinxed, and that is if, which is a big if, and I'm a big Tony Ferguson for, uh, supporter, if Tony Ferguson get past Cowboy Cerrone and they finally make the fucking fight of Khabib and Tony, that deserves a fucking promo. I know the UFC probably wouldn't want to dump a bunch of money into that with how many times that fight felt has fallen apart, but come on, how many times can it fall apart? There's no, There's no way it can fall apart anymore, right? All right?
1: I mean exactly right. Uh, six times the charm. You know what I'm saying, Dan? So <laughs> exactly. Hopefully, uh, one day. I mean, but hey, for that fight to happen, you know, either uh, both guys have to—they have to defeat Dustin Poirier and Cowboy Cerrone, or let's take it a step further. How about Dustin Poirier knocks out Habib, and how about Cerrone upsets Ferguson? We can see a Habib versus Ferguson three-round co-main event.
0: Shit! I know. Right? Uh... I
1: wanted to hear that.
0: I know, no, you're dropping, yeah, you're, dro- you're dropping it like a bomb, man. Nah, no, nah, I definitely hear that. But listen, man, we we speaking of dropping, we gotta get out of here. I'm gonna try to get this drop for y'all uh, soon. I'm also gonna try to get a a breakdown for this week's card. It's gonna be a light one. To be honest, I'm already kind of working on next week, kind of looking past this week a bit. Some really awesome cards, kind of we met, uh, awesome fights, uh, kind of like uh, I just hinted to with the Ferguson fight uh, going on next week as well you know we got you covered here uh dan i know your podcast will have them covered there so before we get out of here just if you want to give any last plugs any last messages
1: man just want to thank you so much for having me on your show dan you know uh, i'm always down to talk fights with you uh not only are you a wealth of knowledge, but you're also a really good person, and that's what matters at the end of the day, man. So I just, uh, I just love talking fights with you. And thank you to all your supporters and all your fans for getting to this point in the show. Thank you guys so much for that. And if you're interested in following me, I'm available at Best Fight Picks on Twitter at bestfightpicks.com. And my show, Half the Battle, is available anywhere that you can find podcasts. And uh, the one promo I left out, and I'm going to go out on this one, uh, Deontay Wilder. You know, uh, well, let's just put it this way. Am, am I still a fan of the Protect Your Net podcast, Dan? To this day! To this day!
0: My man. My man. Perfect note. I don't even want to mess it up. Let's go ahead and get out on that note. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, listeners. Remember the message. And always protect you know we've been fighting 400 steel fighting to this day to this day
1: to this day